I'll take my text this morning, just one verse from the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 7. It says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. With God's help this morning, and I do emphasize that fact, with God's help, we will consider the doctrine of the Trinity. This is a very fundamental doctrine in the Christian faith. This is one of the tenets of the Christian faith. You know, the word doctrine means teaching. The Bible also tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Brother Carver once said, don't let anyone tell you doctrine is unimportant. If they skip it, they'll skip heaven. Take one thing from God's Word and you take your name out of the book of life. So we want to embrace the doctrines in God's Word and we will consider this doctrine of the Holy Trinity or the Godhead or the triune God. You know, we want to know what we believe and why we believe what we believe. So again, this morning we'll consider this doctrine, this very important doctrine. It's been said this doctrine is the great Christian distinctive. It sets the gospel of Jesus Christ apart from all other major religions. To deny the Trinity is the root of all heresies. Some of those who don't believe in the Trinity are the Unitarians, Jehovah Witnesses do not believe in the Trinity or the triune nature of God. The Mormons do not believe in the Trinity. The Muslims do not believe in the Trinity. And sadly, many of our friends, the Jewish people, don't believe in the Trinity. And this is not to criticize other religions, it's just a fact. But thank God for His Word. We know it is a foundational principle in God's Word to to deny it, really, uh, is, is again, it's the root of many, many heresies. We know the Jews rejected it largely. We know when Jesus came as their Messiah and proclaimed himself as such, it says that many of them rejected Christ. It says he came unto his own, and his own received them not. We know that Jesus often told them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, yet they denied Christ. We know many times where he actually reprimanded them and said, you, we read in Acts where Stephen was speaking to the Jews. He said, you do always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So we can see uh, that the Trinity was presented to them. God the Father, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. But they rejected Christ and they resisted the Holy Spirit. So many, many deny the Trinity. And yet we're thankful that God's Word gives us light on this subject. You know, it isn't always easy to understand. We know that. There's many things about this doctrine that are a mystery to us. I'm thankful I serve a God that I can't fully understand. If we could understand Him and figure Him out, He wouldn't be God. But I'm thankful His ways are higher than our ways. And so we can understand what he reveals to us in his word. You know, we can't really compare God to anything because God is God. He is God. He is the only true God. 
And same thing with the triune nature of God or the fact that God is revealed in three persons. We don't really have anything to compare that to, yet we can have some reflections of this idea of three in one. You know, I like simple analogies sometimes, and again, this is in no way trying to simplify the Trinity, but I did bring a object lesson here. Everybody can see that, right? That is an apple. Now, if I were to ask you how many apples am I holding up, I think we would all agree that's just one apple. Yet if you slice that apple in half, which I won't do, but you'll find that inside that apple there is the flesh or the meat, and inside of that there is the core or the uh, inside of that apple where the seeds are contained. So we have the skin, we have the flesh, and we have a core. All three contained in one apple. I don't know if that helps you or confuses you, but it helps me anyway. So there it is. But we're thankful. You know, you think about other things. You think about time. What is time made up of? You have the past, you have the present, and you have the future. Three separate yet inseparable elements that make up what we know as time. You think of every person, it says. It consists of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. You think of space. You have width, height, and depth. Again, three separate things, yet they're inseparable. They make up one thing. They make up space. So hopefully we can kind of comprehend a little about the fact that God is one God. We know that, yet he's represented in three separate personalities. Each has their own office to fulfill, yet they work perfectly and in perfect unity and in perfect harmony to fulfill God's divine plan. We see the Trinity present clear back in the Old Testament. The very first book, the very first verse in Genesis it says, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, I am not a Hebrew scholar by any stretch, but as I researched that, uh, it's interesting to note that the word God, as it's used here in our Bibles, is translated from the Hebrew word for God, which is Elohim, which is a plural form of God, not a singular form, but a plural form of God. And that's used almost exclusively throughout Scripture. So this doesn't suggest for a moment we serve many gods, but we know that we can see the threefold triune nature of God, the three personalities that make up the Godhead. We also know, the Bible tells us in John 1, 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, we know that's referring to Jesus Christ. The Word was with God from the very beginning. And further on in that chapter, it says that we beheld the Word, or the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we can see God the Father, Jesus the Son, present at creation. We read Genesis 1, 26. It says, excuse me, verse 2, chapter 1 says that the Spirit of God moved upon the waters or the face of the water. So we see the Spirit of God present at creation. Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image. 
We have the word us and our, both, again, plural forms. Who was God talking to? He wasn't speaking to himself. We see, again, the triune nature of God. We know, I think, one of my favorite examples in the Old Testament is found in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. We know as the three Hebrew children were facing that fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar was challenging their God and said, who is this God who is able to deliver you? And they said, whether he delivers us or not, we know he can, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to your God. Well, of course, we know he was angry, threw him into that fiery furnace, but an amazing thing happened. It says, as Nebuchadnezzar looked into that fiery furnace, he said he saw four men. He said, didn't we put three men in? There's four men, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Well, that's only one person. That's Jesus Christ there in that fiery furnace with those three Hebrew children. And this was hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ ever came in bodily form. Yet there he was in the midst of that fiery furnace. How did Nebuchadnezzar know that was Jesus? Because the Spirit of the Lord revealed that to him. So we can see uh, many examples in the Old Testament of the Trinity being present. The New Testament, of course, gives us a greater revelation. We have the account that Brother John read of Christ's baptism there. And we read in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we have this beautiful picture of God the Father speaking out of heaven, Jesus Christ the Son being baptized in the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove, all three present there at that event. John 14, verse 16 and 17, Jesus, when he promised his disciples, he said he would pray the Father to send another comforter which is the Holy Ghost, even the Spirit of truth. So we can see again reflections of the Trinity in the New Testament. We think about the apostolic benedictions often in Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Paul was ending his letter to the church in Corinth, and he said, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. We know the Trinity was represented in the formula that Christ gave in regards to the Great Commission. As with the last, some of the last commandments Jesus gave his disciples, he said, to Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So again, we see God represented in three persons or the Trinity. Amazing that in spite of the fact we have so many scriptures that plainly teach the doctrine of the Trinity, still many choose to be confused or even to de de deny its existence. Some proponents who deny the Trinity believe that God vacated heaven when he came to earth to be incarnated as Jesus. How preposterous to think that God, the creator of the universe, that breathed in us the breath of life that spoke these worlds into existence somehow couldn't be two places at once. It is preposterous, yet many think somehow 
Heaven was vacated when God became a man, and they believe that God and the Holy Spirit are the same. Of course, we know these teachings are completely false. They are contrary to the Word of God, especially when it comes to this doctrine. You know, if Jesus were the Father, whose voice spoke out of heaven at his baptism, if Jesus were the Holy Spirit, who was it that descended upon him like a dove? If Jesus were the Holy Spirit, why was it needful him to go away and send another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, if he was the Holy Spirit? You know, if Jesus were the Father, who was it that he prayed to so often? Jesus wasn't praying to himself. We see Jesus many times. He would withdraw and he would go apart to pray, and he would tell his disciples he was praying to his Father. Who was Jesus praying to there in the garden as he faced the most difficult trial of his life. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was praying to God the Father. Who was he praying to on the cross? When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was praying to his heavenly Father. And we think of the last recorded words of Christ before he died. Luke twenty-three forty-six said he cried with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. You know, this doctrine of the Trinity really is one of the most foundational, fundamental tenets of our faith. Without the Trinity, we would have no gospel. It is, in, it is as vital to us as the virgin birth or the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, the Trinity is active and works together in our salvation. You know, each person in the Godhead plays a vital role in our salvation. We think of God the Father, the creator of all things. It tells us that God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We know back there in the garden, man had perfect communion with the heavenly Father and uh, said that God would come down in the cool of the day, and he'd walk and he'd talk with Adam and Eve and we know that all changed when they chose to disobey God and that fellowship, that communion was severed because of sin and disobedience and they were driven out of the garden. Well, things would have been hopeless except for the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. We know that Christ became that sacrifice for sin. Jesus paid that penalty on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. It tells us that Christ was reconciling the world unto God through his blood. We know it says there's no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved. So we're thankful that even though man disobeyed, the Bible tells us that Christ was that lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. There was already a plan in place. Jesus was part of that plan for the redemption of mankind. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we have God the Father, the Creator, Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer. There's an old gospel song, and I like the words. It says that Jesus provided the cross to bridge the great divide. How true that is. We're thankful for Jesus, thankful for the cross. We have the Holy Spirit. You know, the office of the Holy Spirit is to convict men of their sins. John 16, verse 8 says, When he comes, he will reprove or convict the world of sin. 
No one can be saved unless the Spirit of God draws him. The Bible makes that very clear. And that is the office of the Holy Spirit to draw man unto Christ, unto salvation. We know that it's that Holy Spirit that leads to Holy Ghost conviction. That's an awful thing, but it's a wonderful thing because we know conviction is that thing that will lead to repentance, another Bible doctrine. But we can't repent. We can't even recognize or acknowledge our sins until the Holy Spirit reveals it to us and convicts us. You know, the Holy Spirit is that thing that will bear witness with our spirits once we are saved. I've had people ask over the years, well, how will I know when I'm saved? Well, it tells us in Romans 8.16 that the Spirit itself will bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I'll never forget the day the Lord saved me by my bedside, all alone in my bedroom, 14 years of age. Nobody was in that room with me, but I remember when I prayed an honest prayer and I repented and I got serious with the Lord, I'll never forget the moment that the Spirit bear witness with my spirit that I had been saved. I knew I was saved. Nobody was there to tell me, hey, you're saved now. The Spirit bore witness with my spirit, and I knew it. And that's the faithfulness of the Lord. You know, all of our spiritual needs can be met. And the Trinity is still at work today. We're thankful for that. We know the Trinity is present and active in our sanctification. First Peter 1 Peter 1.2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. All three present, working together to bring us into a closer relationship with God the Father. You know, do you need comfort this morning? The Bible says we can... Uh, Pray to the Father in Jesus' name, and he will send the Spirit to comfort us and to help us. That's a promise in his word. If you're burdened down or overwhelmed with the cares of life, you ever been there where you didn't even know how to pray? I've had times like that in my life where I just got down before the Lord. I couldn't even form any words. Yet the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 26, that the Spirit itself makes intercessions for us with groanings which can't be uttered. What a comfort that is. And the darkest times of your life, sometimes when you don't even know what to pray, yet the Spirit makes intercession for us. You need wisdom and guidance? You can pray to the Father in Jesus' name, and He'll send that Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that leads men to pray to God the Father through Jesus Christ is the Spirit leading you to pray this morning. You know, we can quench the Spirit of the Lord. We can resist the Spirit. That's the worst thing we can do. God's Word warns us over and over and over again. Even clear back again in Genesis, before the flood, God was going to send punishment. He said, my spirit won't always strive with man. But thank God, the Lord is still striving with hearts and souls today. But we know there's coming a day. We don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but we know that the coming of the Lord is, I believe, so close. We have all the signs around us, not just the stuff going on in Israel, but all around us. We see these things that the Bible says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And the Spirit of the Lord, I believe, is drawing hearts 
unto himself, but we want to make sure we don't quench the Spirit of the Lord. You know, when the Lord comes, it tells us, and the word rapture is also not in the Bible, nor is the word trinity, but we see the doctrine throughout the Bible. But when the Lord comes and catches away his bride, we know that the Spirit of the Lord will be taken out of this old world. That agent that calls men unto himself, that enables us to pray, is going to be gone. And anyone who's foolish enough to think they're going to make it through that time when the Spirit of the Lord is gone and the church is gone, you're deceiving yourself. But we don't have to resist the Spirit of God is drawing you unto himself today. Yield to the Spirit. Answer that call. I'll just share some words to an old song. It goes through my mind from time to time, and it, it's, it's pretty sobering. It's called One Day Too Late. It says, I never thought I'd see the day when you'd come to kneel and pray. I never thought that I would see the church house filled to capacity. And outside the door there's more who've never come before. You finally came to call his name, but one day too late. And you came one day too late, just one day too late. Jesus came and you were left behind to wait. Yesterday you could not find time for Jesus on your mind. You finally came to call his name, but one day too late. You tried to live the best you could, tried to do the things you should, but it went, when it came to serving God, you said, I still have time to wait. Now it's all turned around. Time to serve him. Now you found. You finally came to call his name, but one day too late. We don't want to be one day too late. We have today. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And I don't say these things to scare or to guilt anybody. This is the truth. God is coming. I feel that in my heart like never before. Many of us do. We want to be ready. Thank God that the Spirit, it's that Spirit that draws us unto the Lord. This morning you can come, receive from the Lord whatever you need. I think of that song and words that say, Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, give Him the glory Great things he has done. Aren't you thankful for the Trinity? Thankful for God? Thankful for the way it all works together to our salvation? And again, God knows your needs, whatever they may be. The Lord can help you today. If you aren't sure in your heart where you stand with the Lord and the Spirit is calling you, yield to the Spirit. Recognize the fact Jesus gave his life on that cross so we can have access to the Father. So thankful for God. Thankful for the Word of God. And I'm thankful that God offers us help even today. You can come and seek the Lord. We're going to stand and sing 591. These altars are open.